What's up? Today I talked to Dan Cowren, a now, I guess you'd say retired, <laughs> local comedian. Dan used to run the open mic nights at Skyline Comedy Club in Appleton, and this was the first podcast recorded uh, virtually uh, during the stay-at-home order, March 26th, 2020. What's up, friends? What's up, friends? We're back. But why not? But why not? Sweet. So what's up, everybody? This is uh, the But Why Not Not So Live show today. And uh, we could have done it or we could have not done it, I guess. But why not? So I'm here with Dan. Can't let the plague win, dude. Can't let the plague win. Exactly. I'm here with local comedian, um, out of Appleton, Dan Carrin. Is that how you pronounce? Yes, sir. You got it right. Sweet. Um, employee of Skyline Comedy Club in Appleton, uh, host of the Open Mic, and uh, recent star of our little video on the Open Mic. So uh, I'm going to crack a beer because why the fuck not? <laughs> Cheers. Um, so what have you been doing to keep busy during this? What's, <laughs> what's the situation, I guess, for um, Skyline, if you're allowed to talk about it? Um, yeah, I mean, they put it all on, on Facebook. Um, originally, it was a two-week quarantine, which would have ended after this week. But uh, they're extending it to April 19th, which seems like a oddly specific amount of time. But... I have a feeling it's going to last throughout probably well into the summer, just for the fact that um, in Appleton, there's like a handful of places where you can, you know, uh, sit in that proximity with people. And I feel like even if they, I think Trump is saying by Easter, he wants everything to be back to normal. But even after that, I, I think any person that's somewhat rational can understand like, Oh, this arbitrary date, they said just the disease stops being, the viral, like, I don't know, but, um, like, yeah, April 19th right now on paper, but I have a feeling it's, it's going to be a while longer. Yeah. Um, I wonder if people are sick of hearing specific details and everybody's like predictions or if it's something oh, we should go into. Absolutely. Like, All of a sudden everyone's a fucking like disease ecologist and <laughs> it's, it's, I just kind of wish like it might sound fucked up, but I kind of wish that Corona would like would cause way gnarlier symptoms because when people are so when people compare it to anything, they compare it to the common cold, which everyone has had. But if this disease made you like shit blood for two weeks, like I feel like people would take it a little more seriously. (laughs) That's true. But uh, like deaths aside, the symptoms are like too they're just too, too easy man like there's yeah. no no fucking zombification dude <laughs> like nothing brutal i mean i'm glad it, it is what it is as far as pandemics go we got off crazy i don't know yeah for yeah. sure am i cutting out at all on your screen every once in a while you're cutting out a little bit but no i don't know how to fix that right. so <laughs> 
You mean you didn't buy an Ethernet cord and connection so you could <laughs> get in here? <laughs> it says the dude that hits me up and is like, wait, I got to figure out how to use this app. <laughs> you had like three weeks. <laughs> You're like, I can figure it out in 20 minutes. <laughs> Be ready at six. Call you at six at five. Uh, okay, I'm still figuring it out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so it's 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 my computer it's my graphics card unfortunately but um yeah no everybody's nostradamus now and like when i asked you how it went and you're like oh i think it'll go through the summer like my instant impulse was like to tell you my exact prediction <laughs> like it's the best prediction out there <laughs> it's a mixture of like ho- a wishful thinking and the need to be right you know <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah exactly And I feel like even when you're like putting your prediction together, that's how you do it too. You're like, you're trying to be realistic, but you also want to be optimistic. Confirmation bias, dude. We want to believe what fits our mold of understanding. So no, but I mean, yeah, I I certainly wish it just, it's it's the worst timing I think as far as comedy goes, cause like spring and summertime are already like a low point for comedic, get her for just audiences going to see comedy. And then on top of the fact that even if this thing's somewhat figured out in middle of summer, it's still like low period for comedy attendance. So it's really no like silver lining as far as like live performance goes. Sure. And like, honestly, if I didn't do comedy, my first thought wouldn't be after the quarantine is I'm going to go get sneezed on by a dude two feet away. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's not like, <laughs> And Skyline's a pretty small club as far as seating, so it's gonna be like you know shoulder to shoulder and somehow <laughs> every other are... they make you sit like only <laughs> like every other seat or something like that. I mean, I guess we could open the club if we could have audiences of eight and charge like nine hundred dollars a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that'd be interesting. You'd have to so. Are are you getting any? Are you getting hit up for any of these live stream like yeah. shows? And what do you? I got do you, a, oh, go ahead, sorry. No, how do you feel about them too? Oh. I mean, like, dude, I I just don't think it's the way to do comedy. Like, if if you're gonna do something like that, then just do a live stream of you talking. Like, I don't. I guess I haven't really seen anybody do like a legit stand up set in front of their TV or their computer. But I can't like it defeats the whole purpose of live comedy. Like, like, what are you, what are you going to like, are LOLs in the comment section going to feel as good as like laughs from a real person? You know what I mean? And then on top of that, like, unless you're like a a great headliner with a giant fan base, you're who's going to want to watch you do your tight 20, like, or, or whatever in front of your, like, I don't know. Like the only, the only time I think laugh tracks would be acceptable is in this situation is right now. You almost need it. Like, how do you know when to start your next joke? Are you just going to be re- like, yeah, anyway, airports are weird guys. Right. Remember those? Like, like what? I don't, to me, it makes no sense. And I mean, it's nothing against anybody that wants to do it, but I, I, it's just like, what, what's the point, man? No one's going to be into it, especially not you. <laughs> like, right. I feel like everybody that was excited for it did four minutes of material and was like, oh my God, this is awful. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Have you gotten feedback from any friends who? 
Um, not really. Like, um, my buddy's trying to put on a show or he has a show planned in mid April or like April 20th around there. And, uh, <laughs> I wonder and he, why. Yeah. well, he <laughs> wants to, he wanted, he was, it was a first show he put together. So he was super excited about it. And then this shit happened. And he was, uh, he was thinking about doing a virtual and it's like, dude, this show was like in some random bar in Steven's point. Like if we got 15, 20 people to go there in person, that would be great. Like what are the chances anybody is going to be like, Oh yeah, that random show that I don't know. I can't recognize any of the names. I'll be sure to tune in for the virtual version of it. You know, it's, yeah, I, I get it. It was his baby. He wanted to like, he was the first show he produced. So he still wants it to be a viable thing, but dude, just, just take the time off, write a bunch of shitty jokes and have a bunch of new material ready for the summer or next year. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Push it back to, to August or something. Yeah, exactly. It like, yeah. Live comedy definitely needs to be live. Um, do you watch, do you ever see like John Oliver, like last week yeah. or whatever? Yeah, I watch it randomly. Yeah. Um, so they did a good one on the coronavirus and then they did a second one. And like the second one, he was just like in some weird white studio, um, <laughs> by himself. And, uh, I don't know. It was it was because they actually found coronavirus in their studio. Oh shit! <laughs> like, so it, it, it was like out of necessity, like, like yeah, necessity. yeah. So, um, but it was weird, like, because it's like it's like teaching a class on comedy because you you can see all the layers to the delivery and stuff. But when you have no audience to time it out, it's just it's awkward, man. <laughs> yeah, it was really awkward, and I was like, I literally put it on because i i was like i wonder if they're gonna do laugh tracks and they didn't and it was obvious <laughs> i'm sure they like waffled back and forth like are we gonna you know what i mean use laugh yeah. tracks but, but um, it, it, this is all unprecedented so i'm sure if like another pandemic happens in four or five years they're gonna have better systems for live performance you know what i mean maybe if you could like tune in the audio of everybody watching then you could get a real live uh, laugh, but then you'll have people that just sign in and yell penis the whole time. You know what I mean? Like, like heckling virtually behind the safety of a keyboard. That's another thing. I, like a lot of, a lot of uh, comics that I know, like, it's like heckling in person sucks, but you can handle it. But imagine the horrible shit anybody could write in the comment section. <laughs> and you're just sitting there reading the most foul shit as you're trying to be like, Oh, penguins. Like I'm like, yeah i'm not ready for a comment section i'm not a live one dude <laughs> like, yeah that's interesting when you vert like i never even thought of that doing like live feedback via your couch or about a million people's couch you know but yeah i don't think it's still anonymous that's the problem yeah or at least in, the, in a in like a a watch room like let's say you're a famous comedian and you have a a space where you can have 250 virtual audience members, I feel like for the most part, they're going to be your fans, especially if you're sold a ticket, you know what I mean? No one's going to spend 25 bucks to like, be a dick, you know, like, but then, then, then again, what does that mean for like, uh, open micers and like, you know, the people who are two years in, like we don't have a fan base or whatever, or any, any kind of audience. So there's just no one that's going to want to watch it. That's, that's my whole thing. Like, and even if someone of John Oliver's caliber could just have a shit show, what are the, what are the chances I will do a good job? You know, like in this virtual setting, you mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. 
Um, so I guess moving away from, from the virus, um, let's talk about you. Like how, how did you get into comedy? You're like, what you say? You're 28. Is that right? 29. 29. Yeah. 29. Um, I don't know, man. I don't really, yeah. I don't really have like a, a cool story about how I got into it. It's not necessarily something I thought about doing my whole life. Like you hear a lot of comics say, which is cool, but, uh, I just, uh, it was a great way to spend my time. Like I've always liked stand up, and then uh, I didn't realize how accessible it actually was to pretty much in every city. Like for the most part, within 20 miles of where you live, there's some schlub trying to do an open mic. Like, I, and then, and like when you watch comedy, you know, they don't really mention the beginning steps. You know, I just, for whatever reason, assumed like, Oh, showbiz, he just got, you know what I mean? That just happened. But once you realize there are like actual steps to it, which is so common sense when you think about it, but I didn't, once you realize there are steps, you know, um, you realize it is accessible and anybody can do it. Then you go to an open mic, you watch a bunch of people bomb and you're like, well, I could bomb. <laughs> At least I could do that. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so where was your first Dairyland brew pub off of Wisconsin? Uh, the bar is still there, but we're no open mic. Isn't they let us do it for about a year. And then we got replaced by a pool table. So, <laughs> so you did. So did you do it there for a year and then move to something else, or were you doing? Did you start doing like Skylines open mic and? Well, I guess maybe it wasn't around at that point. No, it wasn't. Uh, the, I started in two thousand October in two thousand seventeen, and then um, the owner of the Skyline sold the club to the new people. I think like middle of two thousand eighteen. So. For about a year and a half, that that was pretty much the only open mic in Appleton. There was a couple in Nina that were pretty like low attendance with comics and people, so I never really went to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, once once the skyline came through and the new owners opened up a, a mic, I feel like that really uh, it gave more the motivation for the open micers at Dairyland to try better because all, now all of a sudden you have an in to do actual shows, you know? Like if you impress skyline, they might tap you. Well, yeah. I mean like, uh, right now the bartender is also the booker. So if you do exceptionally well, or if you just go, if you just go consistently and and you get better, like you have an, you have a tangible way to actually get on a real stage, which for a lot of comedy scenes, you know, there's not a lot of, uh, a plus comedy clubs in their small towns. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's a, it's truly a fucking gift that we have the skyline here and bums me out how few people in Appleton even know it exists, even though it's been there for 25 years, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. I would say, um, I mean, you would know better than me cause you work in don't like you do calls with them and stuff too, right? You, like you work there. I used to do. Yeah. Now I do like bar back and expo stuff. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like, a decent amount of people know. I mean, they have to have a pretty big. Oh, dude, yeah. There's definitely like enough people that go there to, to keep it sustainable. But like the fact that like not every show is sold out like is weird to me because it's like we can an Appleton Saturday night. Like you can the bars, the the same Journey cover band you're gonna see at Waterfest every year. Like you know, like <laughs> it's just. Yeah. 
for a town there's not shit to do the fact that the club isn't like popping all the time is crazy to me (laughs) we could dive into that a little bit i think it's because of the culture um and it's not that it's not that we have like the worst culture ever but something about the culture here or maybe lack of in certain places maybe it's the suburbs only maybe it's whatever but a lot of people just lack um i don't want to just say lack creativity because that's such a just blanket statement because maybe they're you know maybe they're great musicians or they're creative people but they like they lack creativity in terms of like planning we're and maybe it's that we're traditional maybe it's we're so hopped up on tradition because now that i'm thinking about it it's like what do people do for fun it's like a lot of people jump town on the weekends a lot of people go to wapaka and the chain of lakes a lot of people go to you're right like uh, their cottages and stuff the culture of like the the outdoorsy like that's that's why summer sucks for comedy everywhere but especially in a place like wisconsin because it's like it's kind of hard to compete with going up north or going you know what i mean or like just in your backyard for free getting around a fire and shit but I, I i agree with you in the in that in that way that like i feel like wisconsin or at least appleton is uh is it's it's a decent sized city it's not like a small town by any means but it's also not a big city and um a lot of the people have a habit or a routine of living and uh i think uh, comedy clubs are kind of intimidating to go to honestly like because it's like i work the door so i see the people come in and it's like they're already like anxious because they're out of their comfort zone they're super close to people like they have to sit at tables of people they don't know and then also uh comedy is a form of entertainment you're not guaranteed a good show like you know what i mean like you can say that about any live performance but with a band like they can fuck up 10 times and play through it because there's five or four instruments for people to look at. But with comedy, it's like, if you bomb, it's like everyone feels it, you know, the audience and you. So if you fuck up 10 times in a 10 minute set, it, 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 it's, it's a hard sell to some people, like especially the, the people, some people hate to cringe. Other people love it. I think most people hate to cringe and feel that, you know, feel sorry for the person that's supposed to make them laugh. And, you know, and, and yeah. all it takes is going to one show and watching a guy bomb. And then you're like, well, that's what that is. Never doing it again. You know, like, true. Especially if it's like your first time or something. Yeah. yeah. You're definitely more tuned in on a comedy show. Like it's you and them, you know, it's not the five of you and the thousand of you. And like some people are paying attention to one and some are paying attention to the guitarist and, yeah. you know, <laughs> And you can have a conversation with your friend during a man. You can be like, yo, these guys kick ass. You can't do that at a comedy club. You know what I mean? Like, this is sick. This guy's fucking funny. And like how many people can sit for an hour and a half and not talk? No one. You know what I mean? Like true. some people are worse than others. And, you know, but that is true. I uh, pictured people walking, like I pictured you coming out of the elevator at Skyline and just like all of a sudden you're in like another zone. <laughs> yeah. There, because of maybe the accessibility, um, there is maybe an aspect of like, like everyone, everyone has like, if you go with a group, there's at least one person that's like trying to be a comedian for the night, the rest yeah. of the 
Is there uh, a comedy show? Absolutely, dude. And you can point that dude out as soon as they get off the elevator, dude. Like, it's it's strange to me. Like, I mean, this is kind of like talked about a lot in comedy, but like bachelorette parties are like notoriously bad as far as audience members because it's like a a woman or a person who's that whole night is about them. And then they go spend an hour and a half where they are not the center of attention. And it's not even the bachelorette. It's usually her fucking stupid ass friend who wants this night to be extremely special for her. So she'll interrupt and be like, she's getting married. It's like, dude, this joke (laughs) is about dogs. Like what the fuck? How am I supposed to casually acknowledge you? And then they go back into my fucking dog joke. You know what I mean? Right. Where's man? I bet you if you took, if you did math, on every bachelorette party that came in and you like took a time like just from start to end how long was the show when did the friend interrupt i bet you you'd come with like an at like uh you'd get like a bell curve where like it's always <laughs> around like 60 percent through the show that friends has, has this internal dialogue the whole show like when are they going to mention this? Like they have, to, we're here. We're in the front yeah. row. She's it's wearing like, a crown. I bought her the fucking sparkliest sash and they're not even mentioning it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, it's usually if, if they don't say anything by the time the features halfway through, they usually, you know, chill out. But like, I think as a host, like I've hosted for bachelorette parties and, or at least one. And it wasn't that bad. They didn't interrupt, but it's like, I think it's, you mention it. You met as a host, you mention that it's her thing. You know, it's like, oh, cool, get married right on. Get her out of the way. Make her feel special. And hopefully oh, they no. won't interrupt the person people pay to see. You know what I mean? Like, nobody cares that the host gets heckled. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, For sure. It is funny that it's intimidating, though. Like, it's almost like, <laughs> I don't know why, but the vibe when you walk in, if you ignore, like, well, I guess it's probably be it's probably because people don't know if it, they're supposed to treat it like they're at a concert at the PAC or if they're no. supposed to treat it like they're at a bar. Because when you walk in, I mean, it's like walking into like a like a trampoline park with low lights or something. It's just like upbeat music. <laughs> but I get yeah, you're, you're funneled in, you know, like. It's an unfamiliar uh, setting and they just, yeah, like you made a good point because they're used to specific type of performance art. You know what I mean? Like they're, and then, um, yeah, definitely. They're not used to being told to shut up. That's, that's the thing, you know, like, and it's acceptable, like, you know, like in movie theaters, like it's all agreed upon, but there's something about the fact that this person can interact with you and the show. You know, it just it motivates people to be dicks sometimes. <laughs> um, you cut out a little bit there. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Um, just wanted to acknowledge it so that when people watch this later, they're not like, she was going to pretend like that made sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, just not an agree dude that's that's all yeah. <laughs> okay um no i just had a train of thought yeah so so i feel and you probably feel this too that like comedy is like having a huge boom overall probably because of the internet and netflix and stuff like that um do you feel like that is being felt in appleton at skyline yeah. or in oh, our for sure. yeah absolutely because it's like 
before, and I, I can a lot of that to just Skyline having a mic because uh, a lot of bar open mics, most bar open mics I've been to are hot garbage, you know, like it's just people walking in off the street and they're, they're supposed to like just be like, oh, I have to be quiet at this bar that I'm, I'm going to, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. the audience, it's hardly ever a good time. <laughs> like, but uh, I think the, the fact that the Skyline is there, it, it really did uh, create a little micro boom in Appleton. Um, just even in the last like six months, the open mic has been filling up, like sign up is at six thirty. by six thirty five, there's 24 comics signed up, you know, and which, which uh, a year ago there was maybe six comics at Dairyland, you know what I mean? Like, so just even that difference is proof. If you give people the place to actually do it, where it feels legit, like people will try it. And granted, yeah, a lot of these people are probably going to not come back after Corona, you know, like that's kind of one silver lining. I feel like this, this pandemic is kind of, it's going to call the people who are just kind of doing it as like a goof. Uh, you know, not that I'm sitting here. You're like, so wrong. You know, exactly. there, there's going to be 70 people because everyone's going to have <laughs> extra time to like finally write some jokes. Oh yeah. Dude, I haven't been shit as far as writing in the last week and a half. I just, Again, I've been doing like post-apocalyptic hobbies. Like I'm, I'm learning how to whittle wood. <laughs> like if this shit goes down, I lose Netflix. I want to fucking. I need something to do. <laughs> really? That's yeah, absolutely, dude. I can, I can show you the thing I'm whittling right now. Dude. Pull it up. No, it's in the other room. I'm not done. Oh, come on, <laughs> go get it. <laughs> no, we're doing like me and my girlfriend just trying to do do anything to feel creative. Like we, uh, we're refurbishing an old chest. Yeah, which is like the whitest couple thing you could do. <laughs> it's like apart from like rescuing a three-legged dog, like this is it. This yeah. is the pinnacle of white relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Look, where okay, where'd you get the chest? Uh, <laughs> it's uh, an important antique it, mall. The antique, antique mall. mall. Yeah, Recently yeah. or like before all this? Like March third. We timed it well. We <laughs> so you so bought we, it with the intention of doing this. I mean, it wasn't like hey, we need a Corona quarantine thing to do, but right. But with the intention of just refurbishing it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a white couple. Thing. My girlfriend wants to put blankets in it and it's not up to par right now. <laughs> she probably, does she want a blanket ladder for next to it? <laughs> we have a blanket ladder, dude. <laughs> which I didn't think existed as a piece of furniture, but it is. There you go. It's a necessary white girl piece of <laughs> to have up in your house. <laughs> My wife literally just popped through the door because she asked me for like a year to make her one. <laughs> oh, you made her. That's even more white, dude. You That's like, very white. But first an old barn ladder. <laughs> <laughs> so what now I have to come clean. Uh, I intended to make her one, but, uh, after like nine months of her asking me, her dad finally did it. <laughs> oh, God, that's kind of a power move. He's like, well, obviously Evan is not the man you intended him to be. <laughs> Can't even whittle my daughter a ladder. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, no, I feel you though. Like you would think during this that you'd instantly be like way more productive or something like that. But you're stuck with a lot more of your, um, or for me, at least I'm stuck with a lot more of my impulses, maybe like 
I've, I've been snacking like crazy. Like, I don't know. That's just me. I just, I've been smoking a high school amount of pot, just sitting around <laughs> uncomfortable and nervous about the disease. But, um, no, man, it's, it's, it sucks. Cause it's like, you're right. Like when you have all the time in the world, if you have a 12 hour window to write, it's like, it's not as pressing as when you have like an hour before bed, you know, where it's like, you don't have, cause when you have all the time in the world, like I'm noticing I'm just doing the dishes like way more than I've ever done. Just cause it's like, you're looking for reasons not to do this thing, you know? And, yeah. and it's also like, what the fuck am I going to write about? I'm not doing anything that would create material. I got a bunch of new jokes about whittling wood, I guess. Like, <laughs> True. That's but, it, depends, it depends, I guess, on how you like, approach joke writing. If your jokes are only about you, what you do on a daily and you want them to be a thousand percent authentic to your daily experience, then definitely. I mean, it's not necessarily like that. It's not like I'm, you know, that, that's not how I meant it. I meant it as like, when I'm sitting trying to write or come up with a joke, it, it comes a lot harder than when I'm just driving on the way to work, you know, like a, a premise will just flop into you, my head. You know what I mean? When you're, yeah. when your mind is not focused on the task at hand, I feel like you it just functions differently. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I, cause that's, that's like 90% of how I come up with anything worth writing is when I'm not sitting down trying to do it, you know? And yeah. it's not like I'm yeah. writing about what I just did. It's just, fucking i don't know like uh, you want another you want another white person activity that might help you write what is it go for a walk <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's yeah that's really it i've been walking my dog a lot more oh, nice. Fair, but nice i don't know i'm not too worried about it it's like i you know like it'll, it'll happen it'll come and it's like sweet so what if you have like a dozen new jokes that you don't get to perform for like eight, potentially three months, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. I How, uh, I don't know. Do you, okay. So <laughs> do you feel any like, um, responsibility to think about how we come in and out of this Corona situation? Like being that you host the open mic and stuff like that. Are you just kind of like, see what the, see what the club does and respond. I mean, I, I, like before we closed, like we closed pretty late, man. We, uh, we closed, I think the the 13th was the last show we did, which is like well after, you know, the, all the, you know, in the, right when the hype started, which I wasn't, um, I, I didn't feel like, you know, responsible. Cause it's like, it wasn't my club per se, you know, but, um, like when they did it, you know, they did it at the right time, I think. And, and the last show we did like was a sellout show. So they, they, you know, they ended well. Um, but yeah, like if, if let's say in, by April 19th, uh, everything's back to normal as far as like, you know, clubs opening, like I would feel pretty conflicted about actually wanting to get back in that environment just for the fact of like, I have a grandma and I, my mom is in her fifties. Like, I'm, you know, like the whole thing, I'm not worried about get, dying from it, but I'm more petrified of giving it to somebody and them having complications. Mm-hmm. But, um, is that what you meant by the question? Like what sense of yeah, that, yeah. that, and then, um, I guess from a strategic standpoint, like let's say, let's say the date doesn't really matter, but eventually 
Um, maybe there's going to be, cause how this might work based on an article I read, um, <laughs> is like, it literally might ebb and flow for a little bit. Like there might be like, Oh, everyone can go back to whatever. And then all of a sudden, like, um, outbreaks will kind of rise and it's like, Oh, yeah. we, we're shutting down again. Are you, but that's- do you feel a responsibility to plan an event or plan things that can happen during that? ebb if that's how it goes no anyway um that's uh that's up to the club you know if 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 skyline's like yo we're starting up we need you to host like i i do it it's like i am week after the 13th i had uh four shows with the club i had a a roast battle thing i was gonna host and i was hosting for ian bag so that got canceled it's not like i get a shit ton of opportunities a year to actually be on that stage outside of the open mic so it's like, man, if we could have just held out another week, you know, it would have been nice to like start this vacation after a great, you know, series of shows. Yeah. But um, see, my whole thing is I, I, as much as I hate not being able to do comedy and shit, but I, I, I want this thing to stay how it is until there's a viable vaccine. Like that's, that's the only, cause then you don't have to worry about the ebbs and flows if everyone's immunized, you know, like, mm-hmm. I but, think I could be wrong. Um, and I do want to move on from this, <laughs> but I think part of it is like ebb and flow until we have a vaccine is best because it would build if, uh, if we flatten the curve completely, which is like the idea, right? Like if actually separating ourselves stops the spread, which doesn't seem like we're doing the best yeah. job. Um, then it's like, well, now you want maybe to give some more people it as long as the hospitals can handle so that the immunity of it goes up. But I don't know. I could be way wrong. Um, Oh shit. What was I going to say? Um, yeah, I was going to ask about stage time and like, um, how you handle it and like how you view it. Because I feel like stage time, like, seems to me I've only done stand up twice, but it seems to me to be like everything. And it's also the most intimidating thing for new people. Like, is it something that like, when you have, does it feel like work? Like what is stage time like for you? Um, I mean, dude, I'm still new as shit. Like I feel, I figure uh, under five years, like you're, you're still learning how to do it. There's obviously differences between one and five year comics, but yeah, no stage time is, is crucial. Like, um, and your question was like, how, what was your question again? I'm sorry. Basically. Yeah. How, what's your take on, on stage time? It's important. Like how, like, do you get nervous? Like what's your, it, yeah, it's the most important part of comedy. You know, obviously writing and stage time are pretty, the, just the two main tools that will make you better. You know, if you're constantly writing and getting on stage as much as possible, like, um, and like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's still, it's still super, I get super nervous even before the mic, you know, especially if I have new material that I've never even attempted. But, uh, um, one time I, I did a guest spot for, uh, for Chad Daniels. Like when I was like six months in, I don't know if you know, who Chad Daniels is mm-hmm. one of the best comics ever. Yeah. And he was super cool, man. He gave me pretty good advice. He was, uh, cause I, you know, I was talking about being anxious and he's just like, well, you know, it never goes away. Uh, you just learn how to use your speech, you know, like you, you kind of like, that you cut out a little bit. Well, uh, 
So he said that like the anxiety never really goes away. You just learn how to use it on stage because, mm. you know, anxiety gives you this like this nervous energy that and it's like, you know, the flight or flight instinct is just rumbling away. And if you learn or if you figure out a way to like kind of harvest that or point it into just your, you know, your energy on stage, it's easier to manage than sitting there just sweating nervous, you know, like, I don't know how you, he put it in this cool fucking wise ass way, but yeah, um, yeah but I, I thought that was like some of the best advice you could give somebody who's like a, about to do five minutes and nervous as shit, you know, but yeah. was it, was it kind of, um, was it kind of like, hype almost like turn your fear into like hype the same way you would like before a football game or like a sporting event kind of thing i'd imagine i've never done anything cool and manly like football so i don't know but uh um essentially like i think it's like when like the only thing that's gonna really help your anxiety is preparing for it you know like just fucking as awkward as it is go just talk to your room like just go over your set have it as tight as you can and that's all you can really, that's your only ammo in this fight is just being prepared mm-hmm. and understand that it's not going to go exactly how you want it and fucking send it. I don't know. <laughs> send it. How much time do you spend preparing? Um, I mean, you know, usually, yeah. Um, like if I know if I have a show that weekend, um, I like to have my set figured out with the, as early as possible. <laughs> That you you know because i don't do like necessarily the same order every time because I'm, I'm trying to figure out where to place jokes and how to make them you know be as fluid as possible without having clunky segues which, which are the worst you know when you force a segue four or five days notice and just go over it as corny and as weird as that feels you know, especially your dog just looking at you like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> but just go over it and act like there's an audience there, you know, like that's really it. And I think a lot of uh, newer comics have this like strange hubris where they just think they're naturally good at this and, and then that things will just click on stage and make sense. And some people are, are really good at that, but they're also like 10 plus years in and have been really working at that. So, you know, when you look at your favorite comedians doing it so casually and, you know, writing on stage, you want to replicate that. But no, dude, fucking have your have your set there. Memorize it as a foundation. If you can ad lib and improv certain things, go for it. But yeah, as long as you have that structured set, you can fall back on it. You know? Yeah, man. I think I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have the same view on it as me, which is like just the view from listening to comics talk about it on their podcasts and shit or interviews or whatever. And yeah, it is definitely like you can see their creative process. You can see how their mind works around it. And you're like, Oh, like I could, you know, you get on stage and like you feel out jokes and like, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Oh wait, <laughs> that's hard as shit. Yeah. Because you, know? you can only do that. Like, I mean, they can't only do that. Like some people are just naturally fucking good at comedy. Like, and I think most people aren't like 99.9% of people aren't, you know, and the ones that are fucking explode quick, you know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. anybody can get good at it. It's just, is a matter of one to do it. Fuck, I lost my train of thought. There's some there's some youthful cats at the open open mics, which 
along those lines, because you're always say, you keep saying like, oh, when you're five years in, you know, a lot of people say seven years and blah, blah, blah. It just depends on your talent level and how much time, you know, stage yeah. time and whatever. Seriously, you're taking it. But like Chappelle and uh, like Pete Davidson and stuff, there's like videos of them at like 16 doing stand up. Yeah, but the, yeah, but that's like few and far between, you know what I mean? Especially like, uh, and they were, they were good at it from the get, you know what I mean? Like Chappelle's probably one of those people that are just naturally fucking funny, you know what I mean? And he figured out a way to market it in this perfect way. And then you have like Patrice O'Neill, who's super naturally funny, but wasn't able to figure out a way to market it. You know, the goat, but like he, he does, he didn't have like the, the reverence necessarily that Chappelle had, you know, like, yeah. But I guess why I brought that up though, is just to say like, by the time they were 25, they already had nine years under their belt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's what sucks. Cause a lot of the comics I really like are like my age, but have like seven years under their belt. And it's just like, I did like, what, 34 in seven years, 36 and no, 35 in seven years, not 36. <laughs> seven years of doing comedy you're saying you'll be like 35 36 uh, i'd actually be 34 because i started at 27 but still that that bums me out sometimes but oh well that's that's my own choice you know could have started whenever <laughs> yeah it's also like your process you know yeah like i'm a, i'm in like a flip situation not for comedy but for like entrepreneurship like I had the idea for the business that I wanted to do at like 19 or no, no, sorry, 21. And it took me like three years of like writing my idea down and talking to people about it before I actually started like doing stuff. Cause I just didn't know how at the time. Um, so technically I didn't really start my shit till I was 23 and it's like, I could have started at 2021. 20, um, yeah, but you also could have failed at 2021 20, and then gave up, you know, like, but I think like the key is, is that really I couldn't have, or I would have, yeah, because I had like, I had to learn how to, what starting looked like. And like, I was, I was that low on the curve. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So just to like put into perspective, like your process, like, and it's kind of like Joe Rogan, like Joe Rogan, he started smoking weed when he was in his forties or some shit like that. But like, and like he's, he, he actually became famous like in his thirties or, or later. So it's like, he spent all this time like living a real life. And now he's like one of the most interesting people for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because Chappelle is like fucking funniest person on earth but he's, he's not the most relatable person on earth. You know what I mean? He's not, but, but like, I mean, that's the beauty of how good of a joke writer he is though. Cause he writes stuff that most people, most people that hear a, a Dave Chappelle bit will laugh at it. And that's that in, yeah, that's a, that's a very hard thing to do, man. <laughs> You're definitely not wrong. Dave Chappelle is, uh, he's an exception, I guess, but, but there are people like 
Well, I don't know. It, it same situation, like a Chris D'Elia or something like Chris D'Elia has jokes that like anybody can laugh at. And like, even his podcast, anyone can laugh at, but Chris D'Elia is by no means like relatable. It, like when it boils down to it, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's the power of personality, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Cult of personality. Isn't, wasn't that like his last special or something, something to do with yeah. a cult. <laughs> <You're> like <laughs> he could be a cult leader for sure do you watch do you watch a lot of like high level specials yeah i mean uh i haven't watched uh i think burt kreischer's and tom segura just came out a couple like last night i think i haven't watched those um it's kind of funny like uh uh you know who uh, uh doug stanhope is by any chance yep comedian Yep. Yeah. He had the, he had this like quote <laughs> that kind of stuck with me. It's like, if you, if you love stand up, don't do stand up because it kind of ruined it for you. And, and it hasn't ruined it for me by any means, by no means am I like a jaded fucking comic yet, or if I'll ever get there. Yeah. But um, it is true. When, when you're trying, when you're trying to write jokes or you're trying to do it on a hobby or whatever level, like you're, you listen to a stand up set and all you, and then like I catch myself just like, because it's like you're looking at it from more of like you cut out again you catch yourself rather than laughing i'll say out loud like that was funny or that was good that was a good joke because it's like you're 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 i'm subconsciously figuring out what avenues they took to get to that punchline from that premise like i'm looking at it more like a like a powerpoint like i'm like yeah it's quite like learning how to write a joke Rather than like um, just lo- watching it in the with the intention to belly laugh, you know, which yeah. I used to. I used to fucking laugh out loud at specials, but now, you know, as I've did it myself, and you know, obviously a micro level, I still it's I'm more looking at like, oh, that was lazy, or oh, wow, that was clever, like rather than just laughing. So it's like, yeah. it's, you know, like I still watch it, but with more with the intention of like to get inspired and motivated to write jokes myself rather than just to sit there and laugh, you know, like, yeah, for sure. It changes things up for you. You know, I don't even like do stand up and I do that. My fucking thing is like, um, is like, Oh, especially like the open mics and shit. I always find myself being like, Oh, I like, I see how they, like if they tweaked it by this many words, like they could have, oh, they could have hit. <laughs> And it's like, who the fuck am I to? <laughs> like, I know. And then, <laughs> there's nothing worse than just completely unsolicited advice, <laughs> like as a comic. And that's the thing. Like I guess it's yeah. I can't like I can't walk up to them after the show and be like, "Yo, I'm too afraid to get up there," and or like you know. <laughs> I don't have enough time to practice. Plus I'm not making time. Plus I'm too afraid, but here's how you could make that <laughs> joke really hit. And meanwhile, they're probably- started, if you started the sentence with all of that, <laughs> then at least it's like a disarming way to say it. You're going to tell me to see <laughs> to make myself feel better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, I, you know, like, um, I'll take advice from anybody, dude. It doesn't matter, dude. Sometimes if you're just an audience member, you'll have way more honest input than like your friends who want to, you know, who are, who are too soft to be like, yo, that you tried that joke 10 times. It sucks balls. Stop. Yeah. Sometimes that's what you need to hear, man. <laughs> like, Speaking of that, 
um, friends, people in the scene doing it. Like what, like what's the camaraderie? Like, is there a lot of groups of people hanging out outside? Is it kind of, or is it like, yeah. is everybody kind of too old to like, um, yeah, I think, I think uh, <laughs> a lot of it has to do with like, uh, I mean, no one's obviously making a, any living doing comedy in Appleton. You know, this is all just, a lot of it is just, you know, people having fun. It's a lot of, a lot of us are just hobbyists, you know, like, do I want a career out of this? Of course, you know, I would love one, but it's not realistic now. So I don't think of it that way, but yeah, no, um, um, for the most part, the camaraderie is great. Sky, the Appleton scene is, is relatively new. Like there's a, there's a couple of dudes who've been doing it for, for, you know, seven, five plus years and they're cool. Everyone's cool with each other. There's not really any kind of like, beef with anybody like no one's competing against each other you know what i mean because we're all like i would say like 85 percent of our scene is like two years or under so like there's no one that is like doing exceptionally better than the other person so there's no like need for jealousy or like envy or anything like that and i think the reason why there's very little drama in our scene is because not a lot of us hang out outside of the scene you know what i mean because i feel like you're more likely to get annoying to people when you're with them all the time but when you see each other once or twice a week, it's like you're you're happy to see them. You have shit to say. You have shit to talk about. True. You know what I mean? True. I mean, is, are there people, you know, that is there conflict or drama? Yeah, man, there, there's some, but it's nothing that would matter. And it's a warm room. Everyone wants everyone to do good, you know, so. Yeah, that's good. That what... uh what are the those young kids like situation? I think it's awesome. There's some like eighteen year olds or whatever high schoolers, yeah, dude, and they're pretty good, man. Like, uh, I, and I, like I, I think it's awesome, dude. Like, I wish, I wish I would have. You know, I can say I wish I would have started ten years ago, but I might have already gave up. You know, <laughs> like I might have, right. you know, some whatever. Mate. But um, no, it's exciting. It's cool to think like because I don't plan on staying in Appleton too long comedy like i've got to make a move sooner or later so it's cool to know that there's at least like gonna be a pretty viable scene you know if a lot of the people move you know because it's like those kids are 18 19 they're starting college here for at least four or five years so like it's cool to think like you know if all the people that i know right now move on to a comedy city or quit a lot of smaller scenes once people get good they leave so does these smaller scenes never grow into you know real viable scenes appleton gets to the point of like where milwaukee or madison is where their scene is good like they're cultivating a lot of funny people and shows you know like shows that comics put on you know, because they have like Milwaukee, especially, hasn't had a club for like five years, so they they created their own ways to do it, and they did an amazing job. And I would really because the skyline can't be the only thing though uh, we're working for. You know what I mean? Like we yeah. ideally we want to be on. I want to because I think the skyline has like a four to six month rotation period of hosts. You know what I mean? So it's like that's like maybe five, six shows a year, you know, if, if like you get in with the club, right. Or whatever, but, and there's not a lot of homegrown shows, you know, there's like maybe four, there's three producers right now that put on shows in the Fox Valley. I mean, not right now, obviously, but like in general. And, um, I'd like, um, 
I'd like that to grow, you know, like I, I was, I was talking with a bar before this, or I wasn't talking, I vaguely mentioned it to one of the bartenders and they were into it about putting on a show over at McFleischman's mm-hmm. and I, I would, I would, you know, like, that's the thing. I think it's important for comics to produce shows, you know, nothing against any of the producers right now in, in, in Appleton. They're great. They're awesome dudes and know what they're doing. But I think um, when comics put together shows, uh, they, they, from what I've noticed, they seem to run a little better. You know what I mean? Because it's like, who better to know how to produce a show than a person who does it themselves? You know, and that's not saying anything against the dudes who aren't comics producing shows, but it's just... Um, that's what I've noticed in like Milwaukee and Madison. Like a lot of their shows are produced, you know, from comics and they seem to be running really well. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you been to how many of the produced shows around here? Have you been to? Um, uh, just the ones I've done. Um, I, uh, like bare bones in Oshkosh is super cool. Uh, I have shows at the Appleton beer factory in June, but I don't know. If that's happening. Yeah. Lyle, yeah. 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 Okay. Nice. Um, okay. So you said this, you said, uh, mentioning leaving town, which I don't, I don't blame you for, or, uh, but I am curious cause like Jake Shane left. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure like, like Jake will keep coming back and, um, oh, yeah. I mean, the skyline gives him shows and yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, my, my question is, and, and is, well, it's just kind of two pronged. It's like, what makes a scene? Um, and like with, you know, I'm, I guess I'm about to answer the question. I feel like it seems like either money or, um, or access to like, th- like big people, things that like get you more exposure. And then what are the steps? Like, like what are the steps you mentioned steps way at the beginning of our talk? Like what, what are the steps in your, in your eyes of like, um, I guess success in your eyes in the comedy world? Um, well, I'm just going to answer the, the last one first. Um, I don't know, man. It all, de- it all depends on what your view of, of, of success is subjective, you know, to some people being a, a comedy legend is the only way they can feel successful to some people getting a Netflix. But to, to me, it's like, if I can make in comedy, like I'm talking like 15 to $20,000 a year, that to me it is success. Like, you know, obviously don't that I would that is astronomical success. Oh, my speaker's not working. We good? Um it's a, you did cut out a little bit there. Uh but, but the gist was well, I don't know, maybe repeat it. That'd probably be better than <laughs> I think success is subjective to the person. Um, my view of success would be to make some sort of meager living doing it. Um, but right now, like my view of success is to just be funny like that. That's, that's what that, I want to get to a point where I can confidently feel like I'm a funny comic. comic. And then after that, you know, I'll take the steps to, you know, like, um, that should be every, every new comics, view of success that should be the first and foremost goal is like dude just get funny just learn how to be funny and then worry about all the bullshit later like it's it's 
kind of funny. Like, uh, you know, we randomly get in a conversation with like an open micer and they'll talk about like their goals for success or like their, their like life of success. It's like, you're, they're already planning for their, like, you know, what should, like what, what they should sell as merch or what they should like, uh, yeah. you know, like, it's like, dude, like, that's cool. If that's your vision board, if that's your, what you're looking at every morning is like a Netflix logo, but it's like, you're not funny. Like, so it's like, there's a big part of like getting there is the whole point of why we're doing it. You know, like, yeah, that's interesting. That's different things motivate different people, I guess, you know, like, and who am I to say anything against it? True. I think that's a, the right approach though is like, it's, it's humble, you know, it's not about the money. It's about <laughs> first and foremost, who the fuck goes into comedy looking to make money, man. That that's, that's a misguided person. Dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's true. If that's your, like, there's such easier ways to get rich. <laughs> like, Why, why is this one you're, you're choosing? You know, like, true. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, okay. So the only reason I ask about how you see the steps, like what are they is because, um, with the way the internet works in terms of finding creative ways to make money or, or Mm -hmm. build, build audience, like look at Charlie Barron's, like he, I mean, he, I don't know how much stand up and open mics and stuff he did before he started doing man talk minute. But it could I think not- I had someone tell me that he he did stand up before he uh, did the online videos, and I've seen him do a set at the green room um, back in the like maybe last year, and he was good. Like he could, he's a good stand up. Like he's funny, you know. And he just found a great way to market, you know his you know his personality and stuff, you know. Like, does he want to do the the Wisconsin voice for the rest of his life? You know, maybe, but maybe not. So, but he could definitely do stand up his chops for sure. That's what I'm saying though. Is like, do you have to, do you have to move to Minneapolis? Do you have to move to Chicago? Do you have to move oh, to Denver oh. to do these kind of things? Uh, or not really? Yeah. Not, not really. If, if, if you want to be an internet personality, like you definitely don't need Hollywood and stuff, but um, let's say you make a, I make a viral video right now and then it, it garners like hundreds of millions of views. Right. And everybody loves it. What do you do after that? You know what I mean? Like, especially if the viral video is something that kind of accidentally happened, people who know how to do that in your life. Uh, did you yeah. hear any of that? So I, I did No, you cut out for a bit, but I know what you're saying. The idea is if you accidentally make a viral video, how like, that's not just going to bring you success. What's next, especially if it's an accident. So two things, there's the viral video route, which only works if you make it on purpose. You have to like be able yeah, to consistently yeah. go to yeah, the You have to have like 10 videos set up. So you have content for all of a sudden the millions of people who want to see your shit, you know? And, yeah. and it's like, I feel like you pigeonhole yourself in that world, especially what, if you're, if you're, if you're, what, Go ahead. Sorry. I keep cutting you off, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what ever, like everyone thinks you have to have like the, it laid out to start. But like what I did with venture Wisconsin is I wanted to make content and my first 
my first 12 videos were like three weeks apart each, if not more. And eventually I got to the point where it's like, okay, now it's once a week. Now it's three times a week. So anyway, but you're right. The, the viral video thing is, is one way and that's, you know, you can make money, you can do whatever. But the other way is like, why can't you, why can't you maybe build some sort of cult following online that's just small? Um, and then how you build that like through person to person interaction is by landing like a touring gig, but you end up coming back to Appleton, Wisconsin every time. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's tough because you got to meet the right person who's on the road who finds you in Appleton and you got to be good when they find you. But I'm saying like, that's, that's my view of like how you could do it without having to leave, you know? Oh yeah. You, you for sure can. It's just like, there's not like, le- like, you know, like, let's say you, you, you make a, a great funny video and you have, you make another one and you make another one and it's, it's all going good. Like, you like you have to have some sort of knowledge on how all this shit works. You know, what's the next step after you? Because it's like, what's the point of having hundreds of millions of views on your video if you're still, you know, like do you, do you know how to uh, avoid copyrights and shit? You need like those people to direct you in the right way. Like unless unless you know all this shit, which I don't feel like any comics do, and. And, 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 uh, another thing that, uh, happens with, with making online content, it, that's, that's what people are going to want to see. So it's like, if you're, if you're stand up first, you're really funny. And all of a sudden you have a character like, like zoomies, you know I mean? the zoomies bro or whatever. Like, I, I think I like I've seen the guy that, um, I don't know. He, he just makes funny videos and funny characters and they are funny, but it's like, that's what the fans are going to want to, that's what the fans of those videos are going to want to see. So I if guess. all of a sudden you have this outlandish character, you know, it's like, then you go on stage, and you talk about whatever, like, yeah, I, I guess know. I'm, I think saying, I'm going the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm saying not doing viral videos, but basically you do stand up maybe four years in, like you're at like a consistently great, Maybe you're just a great local headliner who's been doing it for mm-hmm. five, six, seven years. Yeah. Um, you feature for like someone who's big but not huge at Skyline. They like you get to chat and you guys hit it off, and they're like, "Hey, you should tour with me." Or maybe you have to get ballsy and ask or something. I don't fucking know how that's it works. Cinderella story, man. Like that's that doesn't happen. Like like because that was I was excited uh, about like you know, working at the Skyline doing shows there's cause then you get access to, you know, headliners and you can like, I'm, I would never have the fucking balls or just the, the arrogance of being like, you should take me on the road. <laughs> and it's like, and I don't think any, like that could happen. Sure. That's a, that's a possibility, you know, but so is like a Netflix exec being in the front row at Skyline. <laughs> I don't think uh, headliners do that. Like, come here, kill, take your money. I'll shortcut you to success. You know, like, oh, you have to be good, and then, <laughs> uh, and then you have to put yourself out there, like on a, yeah. on a limb to like connect with them. 
like whether it's the first day they're there or whatever, because don't you get a couple days with them usually? Yeah, but for the most part, like I have this, I have this like incessant fear of like annoying them because it's a room, right? So it's like there's like an hour to kill before the show. We're just hanging out. Like I get this crazy feeling of like he doesn't want you to make talk, right? Can you only dig, dude? Like before the show, before the show, for sure, you would have to kill. They would have to approach you with like a wow, you killed. Yeah, like that that's I haven't had that yet. So fuck you for bringing that up. <laughs> no. <laughs> These are how you set your dream boards with the Netflix logo. <laughs> I gotta update my vision board, man. I gotta... No, the thing is though, like uh most headliners aren't gonna watch the host. Like I think like once you've been doing this for like whatever, fifteen years, like you realize most people that host are not necessarily going to be the people, you know what I mean? Like they're newer, we're newer. Like we're, we're learning how to do it. And for the most part, like uh, I think it's, it's really easy to get jaded in, in the world of comedy as far as like how much patience and kindness you can offer to newer comics. Because once you meet 10,000 of them, it's like, dude, I don't care about your life dreams and goals right now, man. Like I'm out here. I do 45 minutes of dick jokes. I'm going to go to a hotel and be lonely. Like, I don't know. I think it depends. You know? I think it depends on who you resonate with. Cause like, yeah. I think, I think like, uh, I'm trying to think what's the guy's name who does kind of like clean comedy, but it's not even Brian Reagan. No, Is it's it like, no, I'm saying on a big level, Jeffries maybe. Oh, Jim, dude, Jim is dirty, man. Is he <laughs> Jim Jeffries? Yeah. He's like that Australian guy that, Talks about dead babies and shit. <laughs> that might be who I'm thinking. I don't think that's what I'm thinking. I think thinking. Jim Gaff again because he's like the guy that talks about Hot Pockets and food and shit. Anyway, I know Jim Gaffigan, but li- like you and Jim Gaffigan probably aren't going to like resonate to the point where Jim Gaffigan's going to be like, yo, you need to tour with me. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like it would have to be someone you resonate with because this is how the universe works. And then like, I do believe, I don't think they're going to listen to your set the first time, but if you fucking murder, which like maybe no one in the open mic scene in Appleton is at that point yet, but let's say two or three years from now, let's say you're murdering as a feature. They're going to hear the laughter. They're going to, Oh yeah. Like, you know, and I'm sure that happens. I'm sure, I'm sure like, I just don't think I'm at a point near a point in my comedy where like a headliner can watch me and go, this guy's the future. This guy is what the world needs. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to convince you that you're there. <laughs> you're like, I'm, and dude, believe in yourself, Dan. <laughs> right. I'm just trying to get you to believe that that's possible here because I think yeah. if you're good. Oh, at- for sure. Absolutely, man. Like, and it's all about like, you know, like if you vibe, like if you, if you can vibe with a comic, you know, on a, on a, on a per- level, that, that, that's huge. Cause then it's like later down the road, if you're doing a show in whatever Zanies in Kansas and you just, you know what I mean? Like you're, he's going to, they're going to remember you. And it's, it's, you know, you're building little nuggets of networking every time you do well or vibe with a headliner, you know, and that's not, it's not like a, anybody should ever anticipate that's their fucking avenue into becoming good 
It's like get good first. And that might happen, you know, that's kind of what you're saying essentially. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm the same path. You're, you're saying that like, that's your goal. I'm just questioning the like need to leave town and do it thing. And I'll throw this in as a caveat. I run where this video is going to get posted as a media company for currently Northeast Wisconsin. Like I plan on moving to Madison, Milwaukee and somewhere else. So I'm not dissing leaving. I do just hope that Northeast Wisconsin continues to develop their scene. And like, I do believe uh, that some crazy shit can and might happen. And I think moving for comedy isn't necessarily like, Oh, well I have to move to be successful. It's like, do it, go to a place where you can hit four open mics a night or seven or eight open mics a week. Like that's going to make you a better comic, you know? And right now there's an Appleton with just three open mics. Two of them are mostly comics and a very upset bartender (laughs) that has to listen to this bullshit every Sunday. But, um, yeah, that's that's the thing. Like to, to be able to perform every night to an audience that's actually listening, you're gonna, you know, like right now it takes me about a month of just doing mics in Appleton to develop a joke to where I think it could be good, you know. And yeah, I could go to I could go to Milwaukee, you know, every Monday, go go to a mic there. I could go to Madison, go to mics there. But like, dude, it's taxing. Cost me twenty five bucks in gas, around twenty bucks in gas to go to Milwaukee and back. I can't, you know, just from cost of that alone, let alone driving three hours every, you know, every couple of days. Do you guys, like, yeah, ever, you, oh, go ahead. Do you guys ever carpool? Like, does anybody ever? Yeah, we do. We do. But it's, then again, it's like finding uh, all of us who obviously have date or, you know, jobs, right. finding the time for, to where everybody can go. And it's also just being a lazy bitch is really another huge percent of it. So I can't deny that part either. So, <laughs> Uh, no, I, I feel it. Um, yeah, I just hope that you guys stick around long enough for some roots to grow. If you're looking at the metaphor, you know, that's exactly it, man. Yeah. Um, cool, man. I'm excited for, for comedy and music. Like we kind of talked about when we were filming the, the new business thing. Um, I think there's some good talent and I think there's enough people willing to, to push through the pain of maybe not performing good for a few years to, to get to a point where they can. Yeah. So, um, cool, man. Well, I like these conversations cause I feel like, it's two beginners. Like I'm a beginner at what I'm doing. You're a beginner at what you're doing. And it's like, you know, feeling through like not only the local hyper local navigation of it all, but the mindset and the, the thoughts and the, the fears and the hopes and the, so hopefully some, hopefully the young kids at the open mic watch this and (laughs) and they're like, (laughs) <laughs> They're like, fuck, I'm, I'm getting past Dan. I'm going uh, to talk to the, I'm going to talk to Chad Daniels next time he's in town. <laughs> he's going to oh, yeah. on tour. <laughs> I know, dude. If my opportunity was with Chad, I wish I would have killed that fucking guest spot. 
He would have just abandoned everything for me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck. They also have to, yeah, you get it. You can't, it's not just going to be, it's not going to be the Chad Daniels or the, um, you know, who the fuck, uh, why can't I think of the dude's name from Silicon Valley? Oh, TJ Miller. TJ Miller. Like he's not going to take you on, but someone. TJ Miller actually, the first time he came to the mic, uh, I uh, <laughs> we're just hanging out after the show, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm here." And I'm like, "Oh, dude, like like seven, eight months." He's like, "Oh, uh, you're gonna kill yourself three years in, so you should stop." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, thanks for the the unsolicited advice, dude. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, dude. So, yeah. He got pretty yeah, he was he was funny. I lined up to uh to get a picture with him afterward or whatever, and he was like he seemed pretty toasted. Like Oh dude, the first time uh he came there on Saturday late show. Dude, he went over like 40 minutes and he like, he was doing, he was killing. He was getting laughs, but it was like, I could even tell like, he was like, man, how do I end this? Cause he got so drunk and he just like, just, he wasn't even doing material at that point. He was just talking shit about some dude's cargo pants for like a good 20 minutes. <laughs> the point where I could see the audience go, yo dude, wrap it up. Like we, we love this, but we got to go. <laughs> Dude, he improvs hard. Like he he rolls with shit. Wow. Yeah, man. Like people forget he's a he's a good ass comic, dude. Like just because he's been in a lot of movies and you know, and it's like, but he's he toured the entire time. Like I don't think he ever really took time off of comedy when he was making you know fucking blockbuster movies and shit. So that's probably hard as hell to do, man. (laughs) Dude, that's the like un unseen or unappreciated like work that people just don't really get yeah to, to have a full tour schedule and still you know make it on time to create movies and it's, it's 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 a tough get yeah all right dan um let's call this thing i appreciate you coming on and yeah, man i'll definitely get you back on um when we're back person to person um, I want to, I enjoy having comics on and, um, yeah. I like, you've got opinions and shit, which is fun. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can talk about whatever, dude. Uh, my bad about swearing nonstop too. I don't know how cool that is, but <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> and hopefully between the rambles, there's some nuggets of pure wisdom. You can salvage or something. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> some chicken nuggets. There you go, man. Cool. You, uh, you take care of yourself. Uh, maybe make your girlfriend that uh, blanket ladder, dude. Make a new one. I <laughs> should. We're going to go watch Tiger King. Have you? Dude, I got one episode left. I'm letting it fester because I'm so bummed it's almost over. <laughs> oh, man. We're on. This is our fourth. The fourth of buddy. Oh, it gets so fucking good, dude. Oh, <laughs> I'm pumped. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Thank you, Dan. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It truly means a lot to me. 